Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. My gosh. Come on, give the Lord praise in here. He is good. Woo! We spend so much time thinking that we have to speak for God. And and I understand that in a way we do. Scripture teaches that we're made in His image and we're His ambassadors. The Scripture is clear about the fact that we're, we're ambassadors for Christ. We represent God in this world. But I think sometimes we, uh, we overplay our hand a little bit because when God shows up himself, he doesn't need us to speak on his behalf. When his presence is in manifestation like it is now, We just get to enjoy him. I'd rather enjoy him than enjoy me. I think there's a lie that the enemy tells us that that is that when we, boy, it's hard to talk up here this morning. I'm just going to be real honest with you. It's hard to form cohesive thoughts. There's a lie that the enemy tries to tell us that is, this, that when we are in pursuit of the Lord, that somehow we're not going to like pursuing him. That there's this thought that comes into our minds that says that you don't, you don't want to pray because if you pray, you, it's not going to be worth it. It's not going to be worth your time. You're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to, like somehow Uh, this idea that a pursuit of God is robbing us of something else. And the reality is nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing. I spent time this morning as I was getting ready um, just worshiping the Lord and singing that song as the deer pants for and I just didn't want to stop. And I just thought, Lord, your presence is way better than everything else. And I know you, you, you even, even say that and your mind goes, eh, I don't know, man, the Super Bowl's on this afternoon. That's going to be pretty fun. And in our minds, we think, oh, yeah, there's other things that compete for God's presence. But I'm, I'm just here to tell you, there's just nothing There is nothing that has the weight and the significance of when God shows up in your life. Nothing. Paul has an experience on the way to Damascus, on his way to this city to kill Christians. And and he has this experience with Jesus where Jesus himself 
just appears to him. And, and, the, and the brightness of Jesus at his appearance is so strong and so significant that it knocks Paul down on the ground. And Paul's heart in a moment with Jesus instantly gets converted. And I don't know about you, but I've had this thought in my life that, ah, you know, I don't know if I want to witness to so-and-so. I don't, I don't know if I want to share my faith with this person or that person. They just seem so far from the Lord. I just don't. It's just, it wouldn't appeal to them. Can I tell you that you can't get farther away from God than Paul on the road to Damascus, on his way to imprison and kill people who called themselves Christians. You don't get more opposed to God than when you try to kill his people. And yet, seeing Jesus was all that it took for Paul's wicked heart to be completely, in a moment, in an instant, transformed. And if he could do it for Paul, he could do it for you. He can do it for me. He could do it for your neighbor. He could do it for your friend. He could do it for the one that needs him. Praise the Lord. This is um, pretty appropriate the way this is all played out this morning. You know, last week I shared on vision. And uh, by the way, th- thanks for coming to church this morning. It's good to see you. I'm glad the rain didn't keep you away. I don't know about you. My kids were a little disappointed when they woke up and there was no snow on the ground. But oh, well. They weren't the only ones. That was <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I know. I would love to see some snow too. Um, but last week I shared with us about vision and talked about our vision for for the future of our church. And man, I, I just got so blessed and I've, I've, I've heard from so many people. I've had more texts and calls and people from other states calling me saying, Pastor, we watched your service. We're so excited for your church. I said, I know, me too. God's moving, y'all. God's doing some stuff. Amen. Um, but I talked to you about three things last week that, that we have, that God has given us hope for. He's given us hope for strong families. He's given us hope for transformation. And he's giving us hope for our community. Amen. And by the way, I'm so I'm so disoriented with the normal pleasantries of service. If this is your first time to Hope Church this morning, welcome. God bless you. The Lord is doing marvelous and wonderful things here at our church. And we're so glad that you could be with us today to experience the presence of the Lord. We're normally a little bit more polished, but this is, man, I'd rather have presence over polish, wouldn't you? God. So I, I talked to you about three things, hope for strong families, hope for transformation, and hope for our community. And, and for the rest of the month of February and maybe even into March, we'll, we'll cover those three things in greater depth. I had a desire to 
to initially talk about hope for strong families first. And then as, as the Lord ministered to me, I felt really strongly impressed that I should speak about hope for transformation first. And so that's what I'm going to do for a few minutes. Uh, at the end of the, what I have to share with you this morning, we're going to hear from uh, a dear pastor from the Ukraine. Uh, he, he is not here yet, but he'll be here shortly. And, um, and many of you know Misha and Anna and their family that we as a church last year supported uh, and helped them come to America. Uh, the pastor that they're going to be bringing uh, to, to the church here shortly is their pastor from the Ukraine. And he's here in the United States for several days, and he's visiting a few churches. And they asked, would it be okay if he said a few words at the end of the service? And I said, of course, he can do that. So if we could silence our phones, that would be great. Um, so <clears throat> I want to talk to you be, be, between now and, and when the pastors come just about transformation in the presence of the Lord. And there's two, two verses that I want to read from. And I think that they will so adequately blend in with what the Holy Spirit's already doing in this service today. The first one comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You can turn there if you'd like, or you can just listen. Um, the second passage comes from 1 Kings 18. But I want to start with 1 Corinthians 2 because this is so magnificent. Beginning in verse 1, this is the same Paul that had the Damascus Road experience. Now he's writing to his spiritual children in the city of Corinth. And he says these words, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words, of human wisdom, but in demonstration, everybody say demonstration, demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I want to make a few comments about this passage. And then I want to tie it to a passage in 1 Kings. Are you good to hang for a bit? Cool. Let's back up to verse 1. And I just want to read through a few of these again to you. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of, of God. Let's just talk about that for just a second. In a world where information is available 
at its highest rate ever. People that you see and meet and you yourself are inundated with information. In fact, we are so inundated with information that it actually, I think, has come to a place where it's a little bit harmful for us because there's so much being thrown at us all the time that that it fatigues us mentally. Have you ever had a day where you've just seen so many Facebook posts and so many things and you've gotten so many emails and so many articles and advertisements have been pushed in your face that, that by the time you get to dinner, you're like, I am exhausted. And you think, how can I be so tired? I didn't even do anything but sit at a desk all day. Or at least that's how I think. We, we are in a world where the wisdom, quote unquote wisdom of this world, is in our face all the time. And Paul says here that, he says, when I came to you Corinthians to preach to you, I didn't come with, with a bunch of persuasive information. In fact, when I came to you, I came declaring the testimony of God. What is a testimony? It's the retelling of an experience. You see, when, 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 uh, when, I, when I went on my first missions trip to the nation of Peru in 1999, I... I got to minister to people on the streets and I got to see some crazy stuff. Incredible moving of the Spirit of God and the power of God and people were healed and lives were transformed. We saw blind people get healed instantaneously. We saw, I mean, just the, the craziest stuff. And I could sit here and tell you one testimony after another testimony after another testimony from that trip. What am I doing? I'm recounting and retelling for you an experience. So Paul is saying that when he came to the Corinthians, he didn't come with a big philosophical argument about who God is. He said, I came to you declaring the testimony of God. I came to you telling you about my encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus. He says, For I determined, verse 2, not to know anything among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. See, there's something very powerful and potent and astounding that happens when Jesus is the center of all that you care about talking about. Amen. When we make church about all this other stuff, we lose the potency of the power of the testimony of God. But when we keep Jesus at the center and we keep Jesus as the main focus of what we do and say, his power and his presence begin to show up. For I determined not to know anything among you except Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. I always thought this was the most interesting verse. Verse 3. For I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. 
I just thought that was the most interesting thing to stick right in the middle of what he's saying. In other words, Paul says, when I came to you, I didn't come with a big argument because, in fact, I was intimidated. If you go, you go read, read and drill down into these words in the Greek, you can see Paul, Paul carried with him an intimidation when he went into certain places. And he was intimidated when he got to the city of Corinth. And there's actually there's a whole lot we can say about that, but we won't. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. He was intimidated by the task of bringing the gospel into the city of Corinth. And so he said, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to go preach to these people, I can't do it on the backs of a big argument. I can't come bringing a really sophisticated message. Do you know why? Because Corinth was one of the busiest cities in the ancient world. It was a, it was a crossroads between east and west. It was, one of the, it, was, it was a place where there was incredible shipping that happened and commerce that happened all around the known world. So much of it came through Corinth. So it was an extremely complex, cosmopolitan city. It was a very big city. And to Paul, he knew that if I go in that, in that city, I'm not going to be able to compete with them in strong philosophy because this was the Greeks, man. This was at the height of the Roman Empire. These are the people that 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 created, you know, all these philosophers like Socrates and, and Aristotle and, and, and the Stoics and all these, you know, all this philosophy that was emerging in the ancient world was coming out of cities like Corinth. And Paul said, if I go there and I try to compete with them in philosophy, I'm not going to do that. I'm intimidated. So he said, I went to Corinth with a singular focus Christ Jesus and him crucified. Because Paul knew that if he would preach and teach Christ, that the Spirit of God would manifest in power and confirm what Paul was preaching. You see, when you and I think that it's our job to make God look good, we've already failed. I'm telling you. When we think that it's our job to make, well, we just got we we just need to make church as appealing as it can be. We need to make Christianity as appealing as it can be, so that we can polish up God's image for Him. We've already failed. What happens when when the church of the Lord gets strong in its faith to the degree that it says, "If I will preach Christ Jesus and Him crucified, I know." that the Holy Spirit will do what I cannot do. I wrote this down in my notes. If the church is ever going to, the church at large, if the church is going to do what we have been called to do, we're going to have to embrace the reality that we are, at our core, a supernatural entity. We live in the overlap of the world that we can't see and the world that we can't see. How many of you know that the God you believe in is supernatural? You can't see Jesus right now, but by golly, if you're awake, you can feel him. Amen. You see, we as the church, we have to remember that we have a God 
who wants to manifest himself. And though we can't see him, we, we can learn to expect and anticipate his supernatural power in what we do and say. This is Paul's message here. I determined not to know anything among you except Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling and my speech and my preaching. This is it, man. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and his power. My speech, Paul saying, I didn't come to you with a big hoity-toity argument. I didn't come to you with graphs and a spreadsheet. I'm not here to convince you that Jesus is Lord. I'm here to preach that he is Lord and let the Spirit of God do the convincing. The word demonstration, I looked it up this morning during prayer downstairs. The word demonstration is a compounded Greek word. The root of that Greek word means to show. To show. It's the same Greek word that Jesus used in the book of John when he after having been risen from the dead, appears in the upper room to the apostles. And the Bible said he began to show them the wounds in his hands. It's the same root, the same Greek word that Paul now uses when he says, I didn't come preaching persuasive human wisdom. I came in the demonstration, the showing of the spirit and of the power of God. Why, Paul? Why would you do such a thing? So that, verse 5, so that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Can I tell you that there is a generation of people now, and, and this is not something new. This has been like this since Paul wrote these words. But there's a generation now who are building their entire frame of mind, their entire worldview, their entire lives are being built up and postulated on the wisdom of men. But the church of the Lord is not called to be that. The church of the Lord is called to say, we will build up our lives on the demonstration of God's power and spirit. We will build our lives on the word of God, Christ Jesus and him crucified. I have no desire to build my life on the thoughts and the intellect of men. Why would I when I have the Spirit of God living on the inside of me? Why would I when I have His Word to build my life upon? That my faith should not be in men's wisdom, but in God's power. Every time you read it through the Bible, through the New Testament, where the name of Jesus was preached... Two things happened every time. Two things. I mean, there's other things, other trickle-down effects, but two big things happen every time. Go read the book of Acts. Two things happened. People got really angry or people got really delivered. Every time Paul went to a new city, 
Revival breaks out. The power of God starts moving. People are getting saved. Dead people are getting raised from the dead. People are getting healed. All kinds of crazy awesome things are happening. And then across town, a bunch of people are getting ticked off about it. That happens every single time the gospel is preached in the book of Acts. It stirred up persecution among the religious. And it stirred up revival among the hungry. We're over here trying to revive the religious and missing out on all the hungry people. Come on. (laughs) There's a God in heaven who loves his church enough to validate his word by his presence and by his power. You know, the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 20, this is what we call the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned, and these shines shall follow them that believe in my name. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They'll take up deadly serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it won't harm them. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick. And he goes down this list of all the awesome things that are going to happen when you and I preach Jesus. And then the very last verse is probably one of my favorites. It says, so they went out and preached and the Lord worked with them and accompanied them with signs and wonders. There is a God who still desires to answer by fire. Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to read you about 30 verses of scripture. But trust me, it's really good. (laughs) Don't you love how preachers give those kinds of disclaimers? Well, we're going to read seven verses now. Like, okay, as though that's a bad thing. 1 Kings 18. (laughs) Little, Little context here. There's been a drought in the nation of Israel because God's prophet Elijah said there was going to be. Elijah proclaimed a drought, and so a drought hit the land. And so now, after some time, People are starting to get really upset and bothered by the drought. Verse 20 says, So Ahab, that's the king of of Israel at this time, So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people. Oh man, this is such a strong question. Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions. Man, if there's a question that I would love to just ask of you this morning that might help to jerk the slack out of your faith as it has jerked the slack out of my faith so many times, how long will you falter between two opinions? I believe God. I believe the word, but I believe my circumstances too. And I believe what the news tells me. And I believe everything I see and everything I read. 
The book of James says that the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You and I will never receive from God what, we, what he wants to give us if we are busy faltering between multiple opinions. Just a thought. It's a little side note, rabbit trail, if you will. Elijah came to the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. It's quite a showdown, one against 450. God loves those kinds of odds, by the way, just so you know. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I'll prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Thank you, folks, for your approval. And so it was, oh no, excuse me, verse 26. No, no, sorry. Verse 25, I lost my place. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God and put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. The flesh always starts getting squirrely, doesn't it? When the pressure gets racketed up, doesn't your flesh start really freaking out? What are we going to do? Let's try jumping on the altar. Okay, guys, let's do it. <laughs> so it was at noon. Gosh, I love this. Oh, I love this so much. This fires up the sarcasm in my life. This probably makes my wife uncomfortable. We're going to have to talk about this later. So it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he's a god. Either he's meditating, or he's busy, or maybe he's on a journey. Perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. This is the Bible giving your pastor permission to be sarcastic. <laughs> Just wanted you to know that. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom with knives and lances, until the blood gushed out of them. Man, the flesh really tries real hard when it gets uncomfortable. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. This is a full day of nonsense. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. 
And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. Everybody say, order. Before, before God moved in a suddenly fashion, Elijah had to put the scene in order. Just a side note. We want God to, bl- all right, side note, rail, rabbit trail. We want God to bless our mess and rain down fire on our mess. No, sometimes you need to have a moment with Jesus where you get your ducks in a row and say, Lord, I want, I want my house to be in order. Purge me, cleanse me, get me, back to, get me back to a firm foundation of order so that you can breathe and so that fire can come down and rain upon the sacrifices. Keep going. Then with stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two somethings of seed. I don't know what that word is. A bag. And he put the wood in order, cut up the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water, and put it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. I love Elijah's boldness. God is going to answer by fire. I'm going to prove it to you. Dump water all over this wood. I love it. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. Oh man, I love the boldness of this man. So the water ran all around the altar. He also filled the trench around it with water. Don't you love the brashness of this man, Elijah? Just soaked the whole scene with water so that the trench around the altar filled up from the spill off. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah, the prophet, came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. And I am your servant, and that I've done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Ay, ay, ay. What is what does God want Hope Church to declare to the world around us? that you are God and that you've turned these people's hearts back to you. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. I don't know about you, but every time I've made a bonfire in my yard. When I want to put it out, I put water on the fire and the water extinguishes the fire. I've never seen fire extinguish water while it's eating up stones. You want to talk about the potency and the power of Almighty God. We serve the God who answers by fire. We, listen, what, why am I talking to you about this? Because one of, the, one of the three pillars of our vision is 
that we have hope for transformation. Transformation happens when people encounter the living God. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of men's wisdom, but demonstration, good morning, demonstration of the spirit and of power. Look what happens, verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the dust, licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their face and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Why? Why does does Hope Church have a vision to see transformation in our community? Is it so that people will fall on their face and say, wow, Hope Church is awesome? No. It's so that people will fall on their face and say, the Lord is God. We have a mandate on our lives in this church to contend for the supernatural power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit so that people can look and see that God is God. So that people will believe again in the name of Jesus. There's been so much criticism through the years. So much criticism through the years of those who believe for miracles. Those who believe in the, in the supernatural power of God. I'm here to tell you, we believe and we're contending for God's miraculous power, the supernatural strength and might of heaven to invade people's lives and touch them right where they are and change them because that's who God is. He's the God who still answers by fire. Amen? And when we, when we don't preach persuasive human wisdom, when we preach Christ and him crucified, guess what? He shows up. Amen? You believe that this morning? Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.